0: Hello and welcome to Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. I'm Christy Mayer and as ever, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Andy Bannister. Andy, hi.
1: I'll uh, I'll take that adjective and take that to the bank. Good afternoon, Christy. Great. uh, great (laughs) You dine
0: out on that. (laughs) Yeah, how are you doing?
1: (laughs) I'm doing well. It's Friday afternoon. The sun is shining. The kids have gone out for the afternoons. The house is quiet. So what is not to like?
0: What is not to like? Well, I'll tell you what's not to like. Is there a fact, it's freezing cold right now in London and I actually have like space heaters in the lounge. Are they called space heaters? I'm calling it a space heater. You
1: call it a space heater.
0: Why not? Anyway, let me let me introduce you to um, our wonderful guest today, Des. Des. Des, hi, how are you doing?
2: Hi, how are you doing? You're doing all right?
0: Doing well, thanks. It's great to have you here. Can we hear a little bit about your background? Sure. What are you up to at the moment?
2: Yeah, sure. Hi. Yeah, it's it's great to be with you guys. Like, I'm really encouraged to come and hang out on a Friday afternoon. Um, so, um, you can probably tell by my accent, I'm properly Scottish, unlike Andy. Um, <laughs> I um, heard that, mate. I heard oh, that. Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. So I'm a an ex uh, Glasgow bouncer um, who. I was a drug addict for many years. Um, I had a miraculous encounter with Jesus on an alpha course mm. um, and had my life kind of turned around. I was uh, working on the doors and um, working in a shop and just totally um, kind of going down the wrong route, really. And then I, um, I took an overdose one night kind of accidentally and made a crisis prayer. I didn't know what a crisis prayer was but I just cried out that I wanted to live. Then I kind of woke up the next day and never touched cocaine again and then I kind of went on the three-year journey um, of trying to work out what had happened and what was all about? I kept meeting Christians and stuff, and that ultimately led to um, a girl, because there's always a girl in one of these stories, um, and reading the Bible and actually reading the passage from Ecclesiastes 3 about, you know, there's a, a season for everything under heaven. And I just, I just had this moment where I was like, hey, maybe I'm a Christian. Um, we went along a church. Um, Went on an Alpha course, which was uh, very bizarre. Um, But then I met with the Holy Spirit. And then ever since, my life's just kind of turned around. Um, I started doing uh, youth work. I worked all over the nation. I ended up at um, the Scottish Baptist College, where I um, then went on to be ordained as a Baptist minister. Um, I married the girl. um, Mm -hmm. Moved into an incarnational kind of mission thing. Um, And then, lo and behold, I ended up working for Alpha. And I'm now the director for Alpha in Scotland. (laughs)
1: Des <laughs> that is a that is quite a journey uh that you've been on there now I'm sure there can't be very many people out there who don't know what Alpha is but for people who don't know what Alpha is kind of what is Alpha and why are you so excited and passionate about that as an evangelistic tool
2: yeah great question Andy like so Alpha is a space for people to really start encountering and asking the biggest questions of life. And um, we normally do that um, around the dinner table. We would normally have food together. We would then watch a video or listen to a live talk. And then there's space for discussion and, and no questions off the table, no answers right or wrong. We just, we just create a space for people to kind of discuss um, where they're at and actually like, really try and see where God fits into their lives. Um, And it's something that I'm really passionate about, just because actually I think that traditionally within church, there's a lot of um, one directional communication. You know, it kind of comes from the front out. um, But with Alpha, it's really cyclic. It's really conversational. And for me personally, that's the way that I see Jesus leading people in the Bible. You know, he's there with them, hearing their stories on this journey with them. And Alpha just creates a little bit of that space for me um to connect with people and i just love it that
0: hmm. well, that's wonderful to hear particularly the the way in which it creates that opportunity to connect with other people do you have any um examples of how you've been using it recently
2: yeah yeah so um obviously we're in the midst of uh, lockdown um i don't know if anybody picked up on that but it's quite a big <laughs> and um, we um, so when, when all this started, um, we had never done alpha online really. We had run a kind of trial course up here in Scotland last year, but that was about as far as it had went. Um, but then we've just had this kind of massive pivot um, to be able to kind of connect with people online. And we've seen, um, you know, well over 250 churches here in Scotland running um, alpha online for, for people in their community and wider a field. And what's been really interesting is that Lots of people have been connecting in from all over the place. And it's people that would maybe never have came to church before. It's people that would never have, you know, been able to drive their car into the car park and sit there. But they've been finding a space online kind of almost anonymously um, to really ask these questions. And, you know, there's... The stories kind of coming through you know like just from this morning i was talking to someone in dumfries and nine people have came to faith on their alpha course um during lockdown which is just incredible you know? hmm. do
1: you know do you know it's interesting um we were talking to another guest on a recording yesterday um from the glasgow area who'd uh, had some folks come to, to faith through alpha and again just similar stories of people with no background at all but uh but just mm. you know really drawn to things right now you know Des, I've got so much time for Alpha. That's an amazing uh, kind of project. But obviously, it, it tends to be run by kind of churches or, or organisations most of the time. Yeah. What lessons have you learned as an individual through being involved in Alpha? Are there lessons that you can learn that you can also put into practice when talking to your to your next, to your, to your friend, to your neighbour, to your colleague? Are there, are there lessons that you can draw from Alpha groups for kind of, you know, everyday life too?
2: Yeah. And, well, I, I actually think... Yes and no, Andy, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think yes in that every alpha group is those is those conversations. You know, it's people genuinely coming in from there every day and just saying, hey, this is what I think about this, you know. So we get – we've had – so I've run nine alpha online since the start of March, um, and we have had every question under the sun, you know, and inevitably what happens is someone asks a question, like, I, I don't know, like, why is there suffering? you know? And we maybe discuss it on that night. And then surprisingly, you know, you may be having a conversation with your, your mum or your auntie or, you know, someone the following week and that topic comes up. So you've already done a little bit of thinking around it, you know? And, and as you run more alphas, you just become more aware of these questions and things that people are having. And it's, it's like, it's like studying anything, isn't it? You know, you, you become more aware of the wider, questions and conversations around these things so actually just by running alpha it almost feeds into that Um, but actually i think what it does more than anything is shape the way that you meet with people so like i i genuinely meet with people where they're at and like for me running alpha is just like having a conversation with someone in the street Um, and i don't know whether alpha's changed me into that or that's just the way that i run alpha but it certainly feels that there's something going on between those two places you know Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that I've, I've also really appreciated about Alpha when I was involved, um, with Gastry in Birmingham that it does kind of really kind of, you've got people there who are, who are keen to kind of engage um, with you and they're coming with deep questions, aren't they? And they're really quite glad to be able to, um, extend the conversation in some way. But what do you do, um, after those kind of Alpha sessions are over? How do you go about? building intentional relationships either with those who've been coming through the alpha course or perhaps moving slightly on from alpha how do you build how do we go about building relationships with mates and taking it on to that next level from the conversation on the street to to something a little bit more intentional
2: yeah it's a great question isn't it once somebody works out they'll make a lot of money (laughs) um, yeah no I I for me I genuinely think it's about it's about lifestyle You know, like, if you're someone who genuinely loves people, like, I genuinely love people, like, I'm an extrovert, I love spending time with people, like, you know, I am naturally drawn to want to do that with people. And actually, I think it's just about having that intentionality. Like, I think, you know, um, we've seen a lot, like, this is my personal thing at the minute, but um, there's a lot of people in church who, you know, you've got these relationships that are kind of Sunday relationships but they maybe feel like friends. But actually, during lockdown, we've all been spending much more time intentionally with people that we care about, whether it's family or friends or whatever that looks like, and whether that's on Zoom or FaceTime or, you know, and and I actually think it's about really moving into those relationships and saying, you know what, I don't need to be there for a thousand people, I need to be there for one, you know be there for 10 like and actually being committed to spending time and praying for that person and you know my my wife um, when I was um, really struggling to work out what way was up and she was the one that took me to church she prayed for me every day for a year and a half beforehand but the thing that really spoke to me about her was that she was honest with her faith and it was just like it was just conversational. It wasn't forced down my neck. It wasn't any, you know, there wasn't any high flute in language. It was just, hey, this is what I believe and this is how it works out in my life. Do you know? And and I just love that. I just think there's a simplicity to that that works for
1: people. I wonder if that um that kind of sort of simplicity that you described there, Des. I wonder if that also do you think can also help Christians overcome sometimes like sometimes sometimes the fear I sense is there. Sometimes I get a sense that Christians are a bit nervous about inviting a friend to something like Alpha or the such like, but maybe maybe that's because you know it's been done in a way that's slightly false. If you do it in a way that's perhaps more sort of simple and and down to earth, that's that makes it easier. What what do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. Like for me, I I always come back to um, when you ask a Christian what evangelism is, you know, we instantly jump to a Billy Graham or you know, a J. John or or something like that. But actually, the reality is that we're all called into that, into that space of sharing our faith one on one and being relational with people. And, you know, and, and I think sometimes we can really get, we can get trapped in the belief that it's about us. And it's never about us. It's always about Jesus. Do you know, like, I think if we, if we're doing our job well, we are just a signpost to, to the gospel, do you know, and if you think of it, a motorway, you know, like we're, we're the on-ramp, we're the one pointing and saying, hey, God's over here, look at this. This is where God is right now, look at this over here. And granted, some of us are more large and tattooed and make that a little bit easier to find, but, you know, we should all be doing that in our day-to-day, just in that gentle, loving, pointing people towards God. And actually, we need to release ourselves from that and realise that it's about... Jesus meeting that person in their relationship. It's not about my relationship necessarily.
1: How did you know that that Christie was was tattooed? That was amazing. (laughs) You can just tell by our voice, you know. (laughs) know, (laughs) I I, I
2: do.
0: (laughs) Guilty. I have two. How many do you have, Des?
2: About three hundred and fifty or something.
0: (laughs) Incredible. I cannot wait to see that. Um (laughs) <laughs> from what you said before the tattoo comment thank you Andy Bannister <laughs> um, that just takes the pressure off doesn't it it's it's just that you can just breathe easy in that way there's such a simplicity to be able to to talk about who Jesus is when we aren't kind of focusing on that magic bullet yeah um, how do you go about kind of um, pre-evangelism for example like before you actually get to alpha or building on these um, intentional kind of relationships are there ways in which um, churches or individuals can get friends ready uh, for alpha
2: um yeah yeah oh that's a great question to answer I've never really thought about it um i I think that for me I think we're all doing that all the time it's just that we don't always necessarily pull the trigger do you know so like we all know that friend who has like asked those questions about a Sunday or like why do you think this or you know they've they've maybe talked about someone going to a funeral and then said like What does that look like in your church? You know, these are conversations that open up avenues for us to invite people to Alpha, for example, or Christianity Explored or, you know, um, the prayer course or whatever it is. And and I think that we don't we don't always make the move on that, you know, as well. And I think in the past, that's largely been, for example, you know, we run Alpha in September. So this person was saying that in January. So, you know, maybe if the conversation comes up in August, I'll invite them. You know, but actually now people are so much more fluid. There's there's opportunities like there's never been before. Like you know, to ask a friend to attend church on a Sunday is a far easier ask now than it's ever been because they're going to sit in their living room in their pajamas and turn on YouTube.
0: Hmm.
2: Do you know? So I think I think it's all um, it's all about like just seeing those opportunities and like for me personally, like I I have a, a list of people that I pray for daily. Um, and I just ask for those opportunities to come up and when they do, I invite them to Alpha or whatever we're doing at church or just getting
1: involved in their life,
2: you know. Mm.
1: I love that um, the idea, there's about sort of you know, having that list of people you pray for regularly for opportunities because I think, you know, we, my wife and I try and do the same thing and I think that takes the pressure off mm. to a degree because in a sense you're leaving it with the Lord, right? You're saying, yeah. God, if you want me to speak to this person, create the opportunity and I'll step into it but if you don't, then then I'll take that as a sign that I don't it can take the pressure off. Do you have, um, we've talked a lot, quite a lot about the sort of theory of all this. Do you have any kind of sort of stories of, of, of God at work through some of the stuff you've been doing? Because so I think it's also great to encourage people with, with some of what's uh, going on to hear examples of God at work. Are there any kind of sort of stories that stand out for you from from what you've been involved in, what you've seen through Alpha over the past few months?
2: Yeah, so I'll give you, I can tell you a story um, about a friend of mine, um, I won't say his name, but um he um so we we put the first episode of Alpha online at Easter and um three of my ex-bouncer friends watched it all the way through and were messaging me while the episode was on. And I was like, This is very bizarre, do you know? Um, and I and I just messaged them and was like, Hey guys, like, you know, if you'd like to if you'd like to see the next episode, like I'd love, I'd love to hang out and do that with you, you know. So me and three, um, three mates met on a met met at about eleven o'clock on a Tuesday night, and just spent some time together doing Alpha together over over the weeks. Um, and one of them's just given his life to Jesus, and the other two have been checking in church on a Sunday. Now, like those guys would never have came to church. Like they just wouldn't have, do you know? This is all online based, but like, you know, the conversations that have just came out of that have been amazing. And the two guys who haven't made a commitment, like I can already see the change in their lives. Like I can already see the, the gold that's coming out of the way that they're doing and just the way that they're even behaving and thinking about things is just, you know, like I can see a freedom for them in that. It's not like I'm saying that their lives are suddenly better and that all their problems have gone away. It's not that at all, but just their ability to process those problems, their, their ability to relate to other people is, is so much more wide. It's so much more elaborate than it was before. Do you know? Um, so, that, so that's just one. And that's really personal to me. Those are guys that I really care about. And, you know, those are guys that knew me before I was a Christian, you know, so I've only been a Christian for 12 years. So, um, for me like those are people that have seen the journey and for them i guess there's a bit of a message in there that there is hope because you know um there is this is a long-term thing it's not just something that's going to happen in the flash of a pan you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah thank you so much des that's um yeah kind of the importance of of ongoing continuing relationship and just the real joy of seeing people who've known you for such a long time and seen God's work in and hand upon your life that's that's such a gift um one of the things that you you mentioned earlier on that you've been working on is how to reach Gen Z uh could you give us some some thoughts on that and any ideas of how we could we can Uh, go about that
2: yeah well so Gen Z is, is fascinating to me because, you know, the, they make up about
1: 22% of the population globally. for those who are, like, not sort of savvy with this, can you just remind people what Gen Z is?
2: Yeah, so there's... Oh, like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Gen Z is young people, essentially. Um, It's really hard to define, but a lot of people would kind of characterise it as kind of 1994 to 2012, kind of, you know, young people born within that age group. So uh, turning of age, kind of, you know... Uh, at this point, you know you're kind of young people coming through. Basically, you know under 25s is, I guess, what we're saying, really. Um, but it's 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 a unique it's a unique group of people in that the way that they approach everything's totally different. You know, they're digital natives. Like you know, they will never like a postage stamp. They don't know what a CD is. Do you know they? They, their first phone was a smartphone. They've only ever existed while hybrid cars were available to purchase. Mm. You know, like they are a generation so far removed from where we are, but they've got more information at their fingertips than ever before. And, and one of the things that really identifies Gen Z is the, is their hunger for integrity mm. and a really high bar calling on that. And I think for a lot of them, when they've encountered in church, is not that high level of integrity. Um, now, I'm not saying that every church is the same, but you know, a lot of people struggle with kind of Sunday Christians because they're seeing people talk about things, they're hearing about the way that Jesus should be, and then not seeing that played out in Christians' lives necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that and that's a really hard a hard barrier to cross, do you know. And they're also able to access information much more rapidly than ever before and suddenly become experts in things because they've watched two YouTube videos on it. (laughs) You know, Um, so it means that we really need to be dynamic in our thinking, but they're also like three generations removed from Christendom. You know, so they're so far away from church being the normal that they don't even know Bible stories. Like the closest they maybe came is doing nativity in school. So actually, even the way that we communicate with them needs to be different. So if, if, for example, on a Sunday morning, if you were to stand up and say, well, you know the story of Noah and the Ark. No, they do not. They know the Russell Crowe version, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, but, but that's what they know. Um, so, so actually, just our starting point is totally different. Our starting point is much more where the early church were, where the people knew nothing and you're literally starting from scratch.
1: Des, we're coming to the um, the kind of end of the podcast. So this has been so helpful, uh, a lot of the stuff you've shared. But sort of, I guess, one last question as we uh, as we wrap this up. If someone listening to this, you know, was sort of struggling a bit with the restrictions of COVID and what they can and can't do, they've got a huge passion to reach their neighbours. Mm-hmm. What's kind of one last piece of advice you'd give in terms of them getting the gospel, uh, you know, out to those they, they care about? Is there one last of encouragement, one last piece of advice you'd give them to motivate them to kind of get out there and do it?
2: Yeah, get praying, absolutely, just get praying and wait for the opportunities to come in, I think, you know, if we get on our knees and hungrily search out those relationships, those will come in abundance, and it
1: won't be easy, and it won't be fun all the time, but it will be beautiful great great words to to end on des thank you so much for giving up your time this afternoon i know you're an incredibly uh busy man with all that you're doing uh thank you so much for being a guest with us on pep talk this afternoon no absolute pleasure thanks guys love hanging out with you guys brilliant and uh, to all of you uh listening to this at home or in the car or wherever you are i uh, hope you enjoy the show and uh hope we you uh, we welcome you back here again in two weeks time when we have uh, another guest uh, thanks for listening to pep talk hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of pep talk the persuasive evangelism podcast this is a listener supported podcast we can only make it with the support of our friends uh, across the country and around the world and if you'd like to be a part of that community simply visit the website the and click on the support the podcast button if you sign up to support uh, Solas and the podcast for as little as three pound a month as a thank you uh, we will send you a free copy of my book the atheist who didn't exist or if you prefer christie's book more truth as a thank you and through your support we can keep making more podcasts like this one